Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Darren Calvany, Head of Research, Global Markets EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday, 2nd June 2023, and joining Derek to pose some questions on the financial market teams for the week ahead is Julie Allen, MEFG's Head of Probable FX Corporate Sales. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Hello, Derek, and warm welcome to our listener. Hi, Julie. Let's start with the, uh, with the dollar. We just had the US jobs data, and it looks like another strong report. There has been limited reaction in the FX market to the stronger data. Why do you think that's the case? And what does it mean for the US dollar going forward? Yeah, no, definitely, Julie, a very, very strong uh, payrolls report in terms of the overall print. So when you include the 93,000 upward revision, the net increase is actually 432,000. So way above the, the 195 uh, consensus. I think in answering your question in terms of the reaction, we're starting to get a bit more reaction now. The dollar is, as you'd expect, strengthening, although it's still relatively muted. I think when you, so to speak, look under the hood in terms of the details of the report, it's it's not as impressive as the, the overall print. Uh, indeed, there's quite a divergence between the establishment survey for the non-farm payrolls and then the household survey, which is used to compute the, the unemployment rate. The household survey, the, the employment um, uh, component dropped by 310,000. The labour force increased by a further 130,000. So in other words, there was an implied increase of 440,000 in unemployment. Uh, those in the labour market um, without a job. So that led to the jump in the unemployment rate of 0.3 of a percentage point uh, to to uh, to 3.7. Um, and that, again, that's, that's quite unusual to get a 0.3 of a percentage point increase. So there's definitely some weakness coming through in the household survey, um, but obviously not yet in the overall establishment survey. Um, reasons for that you know they don't necessarily move in the same direction month to month um, but we did get quite a notable drop in self-employment uh, within the household survey uh, a drop of 215,000 uh, and the total now self-employed dropped to the lowest level since fe February 2021. Um, other areas as well obviously the wages component was weaker uh, the three-month-on-three-month three annualised rate of average hourly earnings is now at 3.8%. Um, so that's below the, the annual rate. So it's indicative of a further decline uh, in the annual rate going forward based on the current pace that, that we have in terms, of, um, in terms of wage growth. So that, again, is, is good. And, of course, it's indicative of what I mentioned in terms of increased labour supply, which is helping to, to dampen wage growth. Uh, and then finally, the aggregate hours worked uh, dropped again to just 0.5% on a three-month annualised basis. 
And that's the third consecutive or the second consecutive drop um, from 2.4 in March to 1.4% in April. So that's slowing and, and that can possibly lead uh, weakness in actual hiring because what might be happening is that demand is weakening and therefore instead of cutting employment, the first step is to cut the hours worked. And that's clearly happening as we speak. So overall, you know, you can't get away from it in terms of demand for labour is still very strong, but within the details, not not, not as strong as um, as the overall print would suggest. So it's it's a close call, Julie, in terms of the, the, the FOMC. Um, we, we, we held on to the view that they won't hike. Um, that was the communication more recently. Governor Ferguson in particular giving a pretty explicit message that um, a, a pause was likely. That was repeated by Fed President Harker. So that was the communication going into the silent period that we have now until the meeting. So we can't have we can't get any official comments to change that guidance. Of course, if the Fed really wanted to, we could have the usual channel to communicate that, which would be potentially through uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal, which is what has been done in the past. So that's the danger here, that if the Fed think the strength of labour demand is such that they should hike uh, uh, in, in June, then, you know, that that's where it could happen in terms of a Wall Street Journal article. If it doesn't happen, then I think they'll pause, but they'll obviously give a, a hawkish message if they do pause at the June meeting. So, you know, we're, it, it's unclear in terms of dollar momentum from here, um, given the fact that we were heading for a pause, the dollar had started to weaken. It's now come back a little bit. Um, and, you know, based on really the, the market's expectations about the Fed will dictate the very short-term direction. But we hold on to the view just about that uh, they'll pause this month. Very interesting. Thank you, Derek. Another key topic this week. Um, now that the U.S. debt ceiling has passed, what should we focus on? Is it just the data flow? Any immediate event ahead to a light to our listeners? Um, yeah, like, you know, the debt ceiling deal is is obviously good news. Um, we've we've averted the, the the kind of worst case scenario. Um, and I think that's helped to to calm markets, obviously. Um, we've put out we've just about put out our FX weekly that was is published today and I've spoken about what, what we're calling the elephant in the room, um, which is basically reference to the kind of the longer term dynamics in relation to the US debt outlook. And, you know, it's pretty incredible when you consider the debt ceiling negotiations that have been ongoing to reach this deal to suspend the debt ceiling until the 1st of January 2025. It was all about the negotiations around non-defense discretionary spending. And that component, based on the projected spending combined over the next 10 years, according to the Congressional Budget Office, accounts for just 13%, 1-3%. And that's where the, the, the deal was reached in terms of spending cuts. So there was a there was an agreement not to touch defense and an agreement not to touch mandatory um, spending. And, and really, 
that's where I, I talk about this, the elephant in the room, which is essentially the, the government have to start addressing that um, or, or, or Washington, if you like. Um, you know, this deal that was done on the debt ceiling, ultimately what it means is that instead of overall debt to GDP rising from 98.2% this year to 119% in 2033, it'll now rise to 115% uh, by 2033. So we're nowhere close to achieving debt sustainability. And when you look at the IMF's projections, where they measure deficits and debt in a like-for-like -like comparison basis, the deficit picture in the US is appalling. And, and through until 2028, each year, the U.S. budget deficit ranges between uh, minus 6.6% and minus 7.1% every year between now and 2028. And in 2028, it is still minus 6.8%. And, you know, this isn't just COVID related. Um, you know, when you look back to uh, pre-COVID, you know, the, the, the deficit to GDP in 2018 and 2019 was minus 5.3% and minus 5.7% when the US economy was growing by 3% and 2.3% respectfully. So, you know, there's a, there's a real issue at hand here. Um, and while there's relief at the moment in terms of this debt ceiling deal being done, the, the, the medium to long-term outlook is, is pretty bad. And it inevitably, has to end up with more significant fiscal consolidation that ultimately is going to weigh on GDP growth relative to the rest of the world. And that means, in our view, lower yields and a weaker dollar. And we think that is going to be part of the solution going forward in resolving this issue. And um, that's the bit that really hasn't been focused on yet. Now, it's not a, it's not a cyclical short-term factor for the dollar. I accept that. But I do think it's going to start getting more attention as we move forward from here uh, and certainly into 2024 and the presidential election and in particular what the new president, if it is a new president or whether it's Biden again, you know, what, 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 what takes place in 2025 onwards in terms of tackling this, uh, this, um, this long-term debt issue. Thank you. Finally, coming to the, the Forex markets, can you provide an update for our listener on your trade IDs? And have you established any new positions lately? Yeah, um, actually, Julie, you just mentioned there was any kind of uh, any short-term events to look out for. And this ties in with, um, with our new trade ideas, because next week we do have, in terms of macro events, it's a pretty quiet week, but we do have the, the RBA meeting and we also have the Bank of Canada meeting. Those are the two kind of highlights within the G10 space. And we've decided to put on a, a long... Australian dollar versus New Zealand dollar. Part of this is technical. Looking at the charts, we've just seen a break of a long-term downtrend. Uh, that broke yesterday, and we've had a, a, a further notable move in Aussie Kiwi today. Um, we do think going forward, you know, that the RBNZ have been a lot more aggressive than the RBA. The RBA have been a bit more conscious about the feed-through for monetary tightening, and they've been a bit more cautious. That probably means the RBA may have more to do. Uh, data this week certainly puts some further pressure on the RBA. Uh, we had um, uh, higher than expected inflation print. 
We've had news on minimum wages, which is going to lift the the, the wage data potentially. Um, and I think all of that feeds through to potentially uh, the markets anticipating, if it's not next week, still further rate increases potentially coming. We think it's a close call between the RBA being done and potentially having to do to do one more. Um, and, and that, I think, is the bias there. Whereas with, with the RBNZ, they've been much, much more aggressive and um, the most aggressive G10 central bank. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a the potential they've overdone it. And, and in that sense, the performance of the New Zealand economy relative to Australia going forward, we think, uh, is going to be a lot worse. And that potentially sees further upside for, um, for Aussie Kiwi going forward from here. And that technical break that we've had this week um, is, is certainly um, kind of reinforcing the potential upside over the short term. We were tempted, in addition, to go short the US dollar. And then, you know, we were looking at just long euro dollar um, or, or long cable. We've held off, though. I think the, the payrolls reports uh, obviously puts a little bit of doubt on the very short-term momentum for the dollar. And obviously, if we've got a Wall Street Journal article at the beginning of next week suggesting the Fed are considering raising rates at the meeting in June, then you know the dollar gets another leg higher. So we've held off on that. Uh, based on what I was talking about in terms of debt, based on you know we now have a recession probability um, of 90%, Whenever our recession indicator has been this high, we've always had recession in the next 12 months, and that's going back to the 19, late 1970s. So, you know, we're, we're heading in that direction, um, and I still think the dollar is going to weaken in the second half of the year, but um, very short term, obviously, it's going to be dictated by the June FOMC. So we've, we've held off on short of the dollar, and uh, we just have that uh, long Aussie Kiwi trade idea at the moment. Thank you very much, Derek. As always, thank you for your valuable time and for sharing your insights about the market. Um, and thank you as well, Julie. Good to talk. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe. Contact your MEW sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from our global market research team.